0: What is discussed during the interview are solely the opinions of the host and guest and not that of BYU-Idaho. For BYU-Idaho Radio, I'm Chandler Guadney, and I'm joined in the studio today by Brother Darius Howard, who is a mathematics professor here on campus and an author. Thank you so much for joining me. Glad to be here. Absolutely. So we're here to talk about your latest book, Insights into the Scriptures, the Book of Mormon, The Jaredites. So can you tell me a little bit about the process that went
1: into writing such a book? Well, The Jaredites have been a fascinating to me, for ever since I was a boy, and uh, my sisters would read during out of the scripture readers while my my parents were and my my older my dad my older brothers were in priesthood and my parent my mother was in Relief Society. Back in those days, they kind of split church, and uh, for us children, we didn't really have primary because they had primary in the middle of the week. So um, I got fascinated by it because I I couldn't it was different and I couldn't ex- I couldn't really understand why. To me as a boy. It just was different and fascinating. But I got on my mission, and I had people that would question the Book of Mormon because they said, you know, the Jaredite book is just far too strange. So as I came back off my mission, I started asking, why, why is it strange? What is so different about this culture? And I started going through questions I had and laying them out. And, uh, and as I did, I started finding things and cultures and things that matched this, things that were unusual to us. And uh, as I continued that process, and I started teaching some education weeks, and people would ask me questions, and some of them I hadn't considered. And as I would take on those questions, trying to answer them, then I would look even deeper and find even more. And so it was, it, it's been a long process ever since I was young, and now I'm quite a bit older, and I'm my hair is even gray. You know, it's been a process of doing lots of searching and finding.
0: Yeah. So as you went through the process of of writing this book, what was one of your favorite parts about writing this book?
1: well, there's there's probably two things that kind of were my favorites. And one was that sometimes when I saw no way to answer a question, I just felt like uh, there was no way that there was any there would be anything on it. The spirit would sometimes open doors and I would find things that I, I I didn't even know were there. And a lot of people probably wouldn't even know were there. The second thing was sometimes, as I'm working on one thing, I'm feeling an understanding of how it related to something else that I had been working on previously. And it was like the Spirit would pull those two together for me, start to open my mind to help me understand. And I think it was the spiritual journey that the Spirit took me on quite often in the learning that was part of my favorite. Uh, just, just to give you an example, a little bit of an example of those. One was the their, their culture matches a lot with the Orient. And because of that, you nibbly said that they had to have crossed through to the Orient, left from, from the China Sea. And I um, am and looking at that because a lot of scholars in that day, when I was first studying, said that that would be impossible because the, the, uh, you know, the Asia was just a huge place and very arid, very just a horrible place. They'd, they'd die and one day as I'm kind of pondering this, I'm sitting in a math conference of all things, uh, kind of bored, and I'm pondering this a little bit. And uh, the guy is talking about global warming. You know, what does global warming have to do with thing? And all of a sudden I felt the spirit kind of tell me, sit up and pay attention. And as I did, I actually watched this guy start talking about the earth and how it's changed over time. And I began to realize Asia as we know it was not the Asia the Jaredites knew right after the flood and 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 the and what was fascinating about that is how what the the book says matched what what, what the world was like back then, and how that would have have made their travel a lot easier. Um, as far as you know, the spirit taking me on a journey that takes me into uh, something else. One of the biggest questions I'm probably asked all the time is, why is the brother of Jared not named? And I, I went through what everybody has suggested. And uh, I didn't quite feel satisfied with them, but I started to, to kind of lean towards uh, certain ideas over others. But in the process of that, I started studying about the Sumerians. The Sumerians were a, a group that was lived in, in uh, Babylonia way back at the time of the, of the Jaredites. We knew so little about them until very recently— Basically, there was a big pillar that was found, and, and people thought it just told a story, and they were trying to understand it. But over time, they began to realize that it was like a Rosetta Stone. It was a story, but it was in multiple languages. And they were able to piece together one of the languages, uh, do the translation of the Sumerian, which opened doors of just understanding just tons, literally tons of tablets that they had that, that nobody could interpret. And it opened the doors of understanding on the Sumerians. And so I'm, I'm learning and studying about the Sumerians, and all of a sudden their culture helped me to begin to understand some concepts related to why the brother of Jared is written that way in the book of Ether and, uh, and tie that to, to some of the other things that, that gave uh, probably what I think is the most plausible reason in there. And that is that he is named, but the translation is not by the way Joseph Smith gave, it, it was Mahanrai But it's actually what that means, because every Sumerian name meant something. And the more I looked at that and the more I found Sumerian names and Sumerian translations, it looks kind of like Mahanri Moriakomer means the great and mighty man, the brother of Jared and so he is named, but by not by phonetic, but by translation, which perhaps Moroni had to do because he couldn't actually do a phonetic the phonetic sounds in the the Egyptian that he was writing in, the transformed Egyptian. So there's a couple examples of. Um, how about a struggle? Um, sometimes, you know, I think the spirit lets you struggle because it's good for you. And when a lady asked me, she said, what do the Jaredites look like? I thought at first, there is no way a person could know that, you know. But I started piecing together descriptions that would say that they were they were a fair people and things like that. Now, fair could mean anything from, you know, light skin to it could mean they're pretty, you know. But as I started piecing that together, all of a sudden, um, some doors started to open. And, uh, and, and, but it was a long struggle as I tried to look through that. But I started beginning to find by tracing basically their route, what kind of clues there would be. And it it was, I think sometimes the struggle creates the funnest journey because the discovery when when you've struggled through something and then you discover, you start to discover it's a lot better journey and it's a lot funner than, you know, if it's just given to you. And I see that with my students. It's so fun when you see the light just kick on and they've discovered it more than just been told that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Something that I recognized as I went through the chapters in your book, they're all the titles of each chapter is a question. Why did you do that?
1: Well, okay. so the book is kind of an interesting uh, cross the lady that, that kind of got me launched on this, she came up to me after education week and she said, Brother Howard, you need to write a book. This, this was so fun. And I said, well, you know, so much of what I take, others have written. There's been a lot of my own since that day. But but uh, at that particular time, I said, there's, you know, there's a lot like Hugh Nibley, or, you know, from Thor Heyerdahl in archaeology and so on. And uh, you just have to piece it together. And she goes, well, you know, first off, piecing together is a big part. But she said, a lot of those guys I can't read. I just struggle reading through, and it's not very fun. She said, you need to write a book that's fun reading and gives you all, you know, this. So I got thinking about that, thinking, can I make some of this fun? Well, in the meantime, I felt like the Lord took me on a journey to finish my doctorate, which I never thought I would do. And, uh, and I doctorates, if you when you do a dissertation, sometimes it feels very sterile. It's got to, you know, be quite exacting and certain wording and, and all sorts of things. And I thought, you know, I don't want it to be like a dissertation. I want it to be a fun read, but I want it to to not just be a fun read. I want it to give some some purpose and some meaning and some understanding. And so I think that's that was kind of it. I, I wanted a book that's a crossover. So it, it, the book has stories from Like My Travels to Peru and some things that kind of fit into the book, along with some real in-depth, more in-depth looking at, you know, what what it is. And so so the reason for the questions as the chapters is I tried to do it kind of in an outline form, almost like you would do a dissertation, but, you know, fill in areas with some, some fun and humor. And and that's why it's, it, the, the, the chapters are more of a question. They're questions people have asked me, questions I had, and then I walk through the answers.
0: Brother Howard, you should write a book.
1: Yeah. That's how it
0: all started, huh?
1: That's how it all started.
0: That's great. And look at you now. You are an author. You're also also a mathematics professor. So how did you make that transition? And that, well, not a transition per se, but how did you add on author? How did that process go for you?
1: Well, I've actually written—this uh, is my 27th book, uh, but my books preceding this have been—I I would actually classify them as fictional, even though they're written and based on, on true stories on the most part. I, I write short stories for newspapers every week, and uh, and I take them from true events. But like I say, I, I do take literary license, and, and I have fun writing the story and, and making the story— so that wasn't hard. A lot of people say, "Well, you know, is is the math side of the brain, and you got the creative side of the brain." And in mathematics, though, a lot of times when you get into the higher levels of mathematics and proofs and things, you learn to be creative. And some of the mathematicians I know are are very creative. I actually know some people. A guy that's a, he's a concert pianist, and you know things like that. So. Uh, and and one of the big things that got me into it, uh, writing stories, uh, was I would tell stories to my children, uh, sometimes at night as we'd go to bed, I'd tell them a story from my youth and and things like that, uh, stories from our ancestors, and and they they'd uh, encourage me and say, Dad, you need to write this into a book, and so that kind of got me started. Then the newspapers uh, picked up some of my stuff and got me. Uh, working, uh, syndicated stories every, so I write every week. So my books, a lot of my books are, are short stories. Every week I write a story and, and there's, so there's 52 of them in a book uh, and they're fun for, you know, just sitting around reading on a Sunday or for, a, as a Christmas gift or, you know, things like that. There are a few romances. I wouldn't, my wife doesn't like call romances. She, she thinks some of the, the more, uh, what I, should I say? The erotica kind of stuff has ruined the name of romance. So she likes to me call them love stories, and 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 then there's just some some fun books that are fun for kids and other other kinds of books like that.
0: Absolutely. So, I guess with with the five ish minutes we have left in this interview, I'm interested, um, and you could take some time, I guess, to think about it. But could you tell us a story that maybe you and you a short story that you uh, included in one of your books?
1: Oh, yeah, sure. That would be fun. Okay, so when I was in Peru, uh, we went as a faculty, a bunch of us as faculty, and our goal uh, while we were down there was to uh, go as faculty members who were learning. We actually spent a year before, and each of us took an assignment. Um, uh, I was not the mathematician on the group because I there was three others on the of mathematicians that were on the group, so I took the assignment to be the uh, the team archaeologist. So I studied everything I could find about archaeology, which was fun. But it, it gave me just a, a love for trying to experience stuff. And we were out on Lake Titicaca. And uh, as we, we were out there on one of the islands, um, we had gone out there on this big motorboat. And with this uh this boat built out of reeds, if you can imagine the islands are all built out of reeds, you walk on them it's like walking on a waterbed or something and and the boat was made out of reeds and uh, they said anybody wants them to take you to the next two islands we we're going to three islands that day if they, you want anybody to take you uh, then you can uh, you can pay them ten bucks and, t- and they'll go and i I was afraid that it'd fill up so I because it was a little double decker kind of thing too, and it was kind of a fun little boat. And I was so afraid he'd fill up, I, I rushed over there and got in line first and paid my $10. There was a few others that got on, but most of the group was, like, making fun of us. They're saying, you know, you, you know that thing's going to sink, you know. And as we're leaving, they're saying stuff like, see at the bottom and all that kind of stuff, you know, just really giving us a hard time. Well, we took off, and it was it was a fun ride because the guys were, you know, they would just kind of paddle along, nice, slow, casual, fun time across the lake. For a while, I got up on the top deck, and just you could see out quite a ways across the lake. And and it was just fun. We got to the next island and our boat never came and it got time to go to the third island. And, and we went to the third island and the boat wasn't there. And we got concerned that maybe we had missed out, you know, on the islands, you know, they, I mean, they had a motorboat and everything. And a lot of them were saying, you know, we wouldn't go with anything that wasn't modern, you know? So anyway, finally, um, and, and the guys that had rode us, they had left and we were, we didn't know, we didn't know what we were going to do. We had to get back to the mainland. And finally, all of a sudden we hear a motor kind of putting towards us. And sure enough, our boat pulls up and we said, so did you guys go to some different islands or some? And one of the guys in there said, no, they said, you know, our boat got, it got the motor quit out in the middle of the lake. We've been sitting out in the middle of the lake all day. And not only were they exhausted and, you know, annoyed, they were sunburned, you know, how the sun is out in a lake. And, uh, and here we had enjoyed this whole time. And so, we are kind of like so. How did that modern technology work out for you? You know, so that was kind of one of the fun stories that that I shared in the in the book. Absolutely, take that
0: technology. That's, yeah, that's, that's right. great. That's great. Is there anything else that you want to talk about and touch on before we close out the interview?
1: I was the only thing I'd say is is I talk about this in the first of the book that uh, when you're you're studying religious things of you know gospel topics and you're studying them academically, like the book does to a degree, you got to always realize that it's the journey that you're taking, that Spirit has taken you on, is probably as important or more important even than the academic knowledge you're going to gain. And and I talk about that, and, and I think that's definitely been true for me. Uh, along the way, I've had some fun academic learning, some discoveries, uh, things like that. But at every point— at every kind of discovery, I would get to something and the Spirit would teach me something. Sometimes it was a little bit of a rebuke, you know, that it's something that I should have learned and I could now learn from what I was studying or from this ancient culture. And sometimes it was just some enlightenment to help me maybe make some better decisions in my life or things like that. So that's that's probably what I'd say in, in any kind of academic read of uh, something along a spiritual nature is to let the spirit guide the process as much as you possibly can, so that you can learn what he's trying to teach you.
0: And where can people find your books?
1: Uh, my book is on Amazon, as most books are, right? And uh, and you can you could actually see I'm I'm just getting it up there, but it's uh, my website, publishinginspiration.com. I'm actually going to have just a little bit of you know uh, parts that you can read out of it.
0: That's great. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been fun. Absolutely. That was Darius Howard. He's a mathematics professor on campus, and he's an author. Thank you again. Thank you. All that was discussed during the interview was solely the opinions of the host and guest and do not reflect the stance of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints or that of BYU-Idaho.